Good morning, and welcome to Midpoint Wednesday. I'm Shelley Reback, your host for WMNF's Mid Florida Midweek Mid Morning dose of news and public affairs with a local perspective. You are listening to WMNF 88.5 FM, Tampa Bay's only independent commercial free FM radio. Radio brought to you by you because we are supported by generous listeners just like you. As you know, our show is live and we welcome your questions and comments. So if you'd like to join our conversation, please give us a call during the show at 813-239-9663. Email us at dj at wmnf.org or text me at 813-433-0885. So after the Dobbs decision from the United States Supreme Court, some states, including California, Michigan, Kansas, and South Carolina, have responded to that decision by protecting legal access to abortion. Meanwhile, more than a dozen other states, including Idaho, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Texas, have moved to enact sweeping abortion bans. In Texas, for instance, abortion is a felony, punishable by up to life in prison. The state's law in Texas explicitly prohibits criminally prosecuting people seeking abortions, but instead it focuses on abortion providers as well as people who aid or abet them, including those who help fund abortions. Where are we at with abortion in Florida after Dobbs right now? As I understand it, Florida's new 15-week abortion ban remains in place until arguments are heard by the Florida Supreme Court. Despite the rolling back of abortion rights in Florida, at this point, the Sunshine State remains one of the only southern states with abortion care available at this time. But just a few weeks ago, Republican Florida Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo said she wanted to reduce the 15-week ban to 12 weeks, and I believe DeSantis has said he favors a six-week ban. And it wouldn't surprise me if he asked the Florida legislature to adopt a Texas-style anti-choice law that targeted abortion funders, like the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund, for example. Now, recently, the FDA approved pharmacies like CVS or Walgreens to fill prescriptions for medication abortion pills, but not in Florida, where doing so is still a crime. Meanwhile, anti-abortion forces are organizing protests outside the pharmacy chains like Walgreens and CVS. What's next for abortion pill access in Florida and elsewhere? My guests from Red State Access and Progress Florida will fill us in, I hope. I want to welcome Jay, who is a board member of Red State Access. Happy to have you, Jay. Thank you. Thank you for having us here. And Amy Weintraub from the Reproductive Rights Project of Progress Florida and who is based in St. Petersburg to the show. Welcome back, Amy. Oh, my gosh. It's great to be back. So um, let's start with you, Amy. How is Progress Florida and the other Florida-based abortion rights organizations preparing for the very real possibility of further restrictions 
on access to abortion in Florida in this legislative session? Well, first of all, we are continuing our work to identify and educate and activate um, the majority of Floridians who believe that abortion should be safe and legal and accessible for anyone who needs it and prepare to defend against further restrictions um, in Tallahassee. Of course, that's going to be a hard battle because the uh, anti-abortion extremists have a super majority in the in both houses of the legislature, but still, we won't go down quietly. Let me, let me assure everyone of that. But in the meantime, one of the things where um, uh, at Progress Florida, we're trying really hard to do is to spread the word about self-managed abortion. And that's when folks can access abortion medication outside of the um, traditional American healthcare setting. And we run trainings on that every month, uh, how to talk about it without getting yourself into legal liability, how to spread the word and make sure that people are prepared in case abortion becomes even more difficult to access in our state. And Jay, um, tell us about Red State Access. What is Red State Access and how are you and your organization responding to these type of restrictions on reproductive health care across the South? Yeah, we're a group of medication abortion advocates who help people find abortion resources and we give information to people to help share knowledge. So we're spreading the word about how abortion pills are used, about their safety and efficacy, and generally help to destigmatize the topic. So both both of your organizations then have um, are focusing currently a lot of your resources and expertise on in the issue of medication abortion access. Is that right? Definitely. It's, a, it's, it's the thing that gives me heart, to be honest with you. Um, when I get dispirited about these, um, you know, advocate, po- sorry, policy defeats, I, I'm like, well, at least we're not turning back to the pre-1973 times because science and technology have brought us these amazing pills. And as long as people can get them, which they can, then, um, you know, it's not going to be as dire as it was pre-Roe. Now, One issue around that, though, is the restriction in Florida on pharmacies filling prescriptions of, it's mifepristone, right? Am I saying that right? Yeah, mifepristone. Mifepristone, which is the drug used for early-term abortions. Um, The Florida Agency for Healthcare Administration recently warned pharmacies here in Florida that Florida law requires getting the pill or an abortion procedure, including medication abortion, by a doctor. And a patient in Florida still has to wait 24 hours after uh, meeting with the doctor on the first occasion um, and receiving some counseling, and I'm doing air quotes, you can't see this because it's radio, (laughs) but those are air quotes around the word counseling about abortion. Um, So even where filling prescriptions is legal, not in Florida. The FDA has made it very complicated for these pharmacies to get certified to dispense abortion medication. And there's a very onerous record-keeping process involved, apparently. And it remains to be seen if this FDA rule even actually will increase the availability of medication, abortion, even where it's legal, because they're making the pharmacies jump through so many hoops and because there's some concern uh, about the record keeping and making, um, 
you know, keeping a central log, if you will, of people who are receiving these these types of medications. There are concerns about that in terms of privacy issues. Um, so, uh, you know, how how are your organizations responding to this uh, issue of pharmacies in Florida not being able to dispense medication abortion? Well, um, I definitely am appalled at the stance that the Florida state government is taking on this. And I think that when, and Progress Florida believes that um, we, that, I'm sorry, let me hesitate for one second, that federal law and the FDA's um, findings on this supersede any state policy. And actually, I I would um, think we should just be watching for lawsuits or for the Department of Justice to take action on this, to, um, to institute the idea that abortion-hostile state governments like Florida cannot preempt what the FDA has done. And Congress has given authority to the FDA to regulate the safety of drugs, such as Mifepristone. And state legislatures and Governor DeSantis should not be able to override that. Well, um, <laughs> you know, we can't get into the whole principles of federalism and the the laws about uh, preemption on this show, but um, it's the FDA's responsibility, as you said, to regulate the health, you know, the safety of drugs. But it's no different from the way that different states have different laws on marijuana access, for example. Um, you know, it's it. States do have the legal power to have um, different laws from from other states in terms of the availability of re- of drugs that are uh, regulated. Interestingly, though, uh, it may you may be it may be accurate that the Department of Justice will never will never take action on that on this. But there already have been two lawsuits filed in other abortion restrictive states. One was by Jen Biopro. Um, it, they actually manufacture Mifepristone, one of the drugs that we're talking about, against West Virginia, which has an abortion ban, and they're arguing that the state's ban violates the Constitution's supremacy clause that says that federal laws take priority over any state law that conflicts with it and that the lawsuit the lawsuit also argues that the state's ban violates their right to interstate commerce so i think that's very interesting those are two good claims i think and there's also um an obgyn in north carolina has filed suit against that state um and abortion is still legal legal there but like florida abortion medications restricted and they he he um that obgyn again is is arguing that um, federal law, Trump state law. So we're going to see action in the courts and, and Progress Florida is watching that very closely. Yeah, uh, it's difficult to imagine. Are, are those, do you know if those are filed in, in federal court or in state court, um, those lawsuits? It's difficult to imagine I, that succeeding in state court in Florida today, given that the Florida Supreme Court is kind of a wholly owned subsidiary of Governor DeSantis right now. Definitely, uh, the, yeah. the the current federal Florida courts have a very pinched view of abortion, by and large, and so even though we have a right to privacy in our state constitution, which well, the federal constitution lacks. Yeah, we'll see what the new new DeSantis designed Supreme Court has to say about that. Yeah.
Um, so, Jay, what about red state access? You're active across the South, yep. mostly the South, because and that's where these... restricted states. Yeah, yeah, these are restricted states uh, or states that have restrictions on reproductive health care. So what's uh, red state access uh, working on in, in this regard with regard to the availability of of uh, medication abortion pills. Yeah, well, we're getting information out to anybody who contacts us, really, to let them know that it's uh, safe and effective to have a medication abortion. We think that medication abortions are an affordable alternative to going into a clinic. It's certainly more accessible and less invasive. Um, so we just support that message as much as we can, getting it out there, letting people know how they can get an abortion and helping them find a place where they can get an abortion. Now, what what about um, making telehealth or other kinds of health advice from med- medical professionals available in areas where abortion medication is restricted? Is that something that... Absolutely. I mean, people should have access to the health care they want in the easiest way that they can. You can get you can get pills for your penis to be hardened. <laughs> so why not get pills that help to uh, take care of things after that, <laughs> a little bit further down the line? Well, um, okay. I, I know that um, the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund, for example, provides... Um, resources, financial mm-hmm. and otherwise, to people who are indigent or not able to afford um, abortion um, and referrals to um, medical providers who can provide um, counseling, not not counseling in the same way that a crisis pregnancy center would, would counsel people, but just actual medical advice um, and screening uh, for people who are interested in medication abortion. Is that something that Red State Access also provides? Yeah, so we give information to people about how abortion pills are used and again about their safety and efficacy and to destigmatize the the topic. So across other places in Europe, um, places like Sweden and the UK, medication abortion accounts for about 90% of abortions. In the US, that figure is about 55% and we think that should be higher, it should increase. And in other countries as well, People are using medication abortions later in their pregnancy than they can here in America. Yeah, is that something? Who, who discusses that with a client of Red State Access? On, we uh, send out uh, information, just letting people know what can happen in other countries. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have I have an email here from. Uh, Jeannie in Palm Harbor, who says, in Latin America, countries with no access to abortion, they do menstrual regulation. That involves providing medication that can cause abortions early. I believe the drug is misoprostol, which is used for ulcers and NSAID overdose. Basically, there are no pregnancy tests involved. The pill is simply taken six weeks after your last regular period. So that's an example, I guess, of something that is uh, the way this issue is being handled in places where there's no access 
but um, legal abortion just to interject that misoprostol is an abortion drug and in fact mifepristone is used in combination with misoprostol by most american providers of abortion care so misoprostol is abortion medication it can be used on its own it's a little less effective than if used in combination with the mifepristone which is also known as ru486 some people know it like that but misoprostol for sure is a great drug and um, the the caller or the the writer mentions uh, Latin American countries, and for sure that's where the women there saw that misoprostol, which is as she mentioned, a drug used for other things. They saw that there were warning labels that said don't use if pregnant may end pregnancy, and they started using it intentionally mm. to end pregnancy and saw that it really worked. And since then, a lot of protocols have been established to figure out the the safest protocol. You know, the the amount of of pills needed, so forth. And uh, by the way, it's twelve. Um, but anyway, um, so it is these Latin American women who brought awareness to how drugs can be used um, in Off the ways label. that we need them off-label in yeah. the way we need them. Uh, and and we'll probably do this uh, several times throughout the show, but I guess I, I would like you both, since we don't know when people turn on their radio or start streaming the show, uh, tell people how they can get a hold of your organization if they want information about medication abortion. Sure. Um, Progress Florida is a, at progressflorida.org and on our main website um, folks can find out about our upcoming self-managed abortion safe and supported workshop which is on February 13th at 5.30pm. I mean, yeah, February 13th, yep. Yeah. And um, we'd love to have anyone who's interested in learning how to legally spread the word about accessing abortion, abortion pills outside of the American medical sit- setting to to uh, sign up. <laughs> All right. And what about red state access? Yeah, we also have a website with a series of information on there, educating people about medication abortion, how the pills are, are used, how they should be used um, in the medical setting and about their safety and e- efficacy. Uh, all on the website. Okay, and I know that Tampa Bay Abortion Fund is also out there with information on the, on this topic and how to get resources for people uh, who don't have the wherewithal to um, to financially afford their reproductive health care. And they are at uh, tbafund.com. Uh, so there's some resources for anybody uh, who's listening who may be interested in in uh, obtaining medication abortion um, but one of the one of the things that um, that concerns me is um, now that Dobbs has uh, has been decided by the United States Supreme Court and we no longer have a constitutional right uh, to abortion um, that doesn't mean that the anti-abortion activist forces have gone away. Um, they are now moving on to, you know, bigger and, and better kinds of restrictions, um, even more restrictions um, on the availability of reproductive health care of all kinds. And one of the new strategies that I've seen reported is for anti-abortion activists to protest outside of these pharmacy chains in places even where it's legal for them to fill prescriptions 
for abortion medication and even at locations of pharmacy chains where they aren't filling prescriptions um, as a way to put pressure on those pharmacy chains to not make medication abortion pills available in places where it's legal. So I think, for example, there was a protest at a CVS in St. Petersburg uh, recently. Um, and these anti-abortion activists are zeroing in on pharmacies as the, these pills have become the most popular method for terminating a pregnancy in the United States. And it's a key way uh, that people are accessing abortion in states even where abortion is banned. So they want people to feel uncomfortable walking through a protest into the CVS or Walgreens pharmacy, uh, and they want to put pressure on these chains to decide not to get certified for their corporate offices to decide not to have the change certified to dispense this medication. And these anti-abortion activists also want to pass legislation that protects pharmacists who refuse to fill uh, mifepristone prescriptions. So, uh, you know, are we seeing that locally? Are we, you know, what, what, what can we do about that? Do you have any uh, suggestions or is the organizations that you're involved with, are they responding to this type of activism? I just think it shows how uninformed that that group of people is really because here in Florida, um, you're not allowed to take those medications outside of a clinic setting. So it, why even bother protesting outside of those places? I mean, I'm all for protesting. It's protected in the USA. Obviously, I totally disagree with their message. I think that people should have safe and effective uh, abortions and they should have, and, and this is an affordable way to do it. But again, here in Florida, you have to do that in a clinic. Definitely. And we, the protesters by the opposition, I mean, they, they know no bounds. We've seen such an uptick in their activities in all areas, including outside of healthcare centers. It's the, the, the threat of violence and the uh, awful, awful patient environment that they are creating. It, it is absurd. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all just crap. And what we're doing against it is, is um, you know, forming our own movement, building our own movement across the state to, sh to represent the vast majority of Floridians who believe that abortion should be accessible and that once someone has decided to seek abortion care, they should be able to do that without stigma and without barriers. Yeah, I mean, this is a group of people who say that they're uh, pro-life, and yet over the years they've killed 11 people who work in these who work in abortion clinics. Uh, and I was just looking before I came in here, and I saw a statistic that said in 2021, so almost two years ago now, there was a 128 percent rise in assaults against people who work at abortion clinics, and that was 2021. So, you know, it's not a group of people that I particularly want to be around in order for my own personal safety. So. Yeah, I, I do think that the point of their protests, um, even in places like Florida, where abortion medication dispensing by pharmacies is not legal, I think the point is to put pressure on their corporate, um, you know, on the corporation itself. To Good, not let's put pressure on other corporations, corporations that sell guns, tobacco sellers, alcohol retailers, and prisons that implement the death penalty. Yeah, well, I think it's the same strategy. Mm. I mean, it's the same activist strategy. Um, you know, we have um, 
boycotts of places that you know mm. uh, you know as a as a uh, as an activism strategy you know uh, businesses that you don't agree with their corporate stance on various social issues and you know boycotts are common and protests in front of the stores are common and this seems to be the same thing what concerns me more though uh, not more but what what particularly concerns me about this evolving strategy is their um legal uh, strategy to try to protect pharmacists mm. that don't want to dispense medication abortion pills in places where it's legal it's it's like recently the Florida Board of Medicine voted um, against dispensing um, gender affirming medication or uh, I may not be using the correct terminology for it but uh, medication to uh, trans people um, and this is the Florida Board of Medi- Medicine that made that that decision that regulation for for Florida that's going to make it very difficult for trans people to receive the medication they need to live their full lives and um, you know so this is another strategy that these activists are pursuing is to try to protect pharmacists either under an argument that it's you know, protection of religion, that it's a First Amendment argument, that they have religious objections to dispensing abortion medication or um, or otherwise, you know, moral objections, and they want to protect them. And, you know, who knows what other types of, of restrictions on um, the dispensing of medication to people will be Adopted if this kind of a strategy succeeds in the courts. Well, I just want to mention that pharmacists already, these corporations we're talking about, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Walmart, they already have pharmacy refusal pro, um, policies in place. Um, pharmacists do not, if, if pharmacists have some kind of moral objection to a prescription that's been called in for a customer, they don't have to fill it. They just have to make sure that it's turned over to another pharmacist. Mm-hmm. And those those corporate practices are already there. This is just a lot of wasted energy. Hmm. That's interesting. All right. Well, another, uh, I should also say that I have an email here from Kristen who wants to thank Red State Access Progress Florida and the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund for the great work they do. Um, and she appreciates that uh, you uh, gave out your your websites and your training on February 13th, and we'll, we'll do that again throughout the show. But um, if you're interested in participating in our show, you are welcome to give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885. My guests today are Amy Weintraub from the Reproductive Rights Project at Progress Florida, and Jay, who's a board member of Red State Access that provides uh, medication abortion information to states that have restrictive abortion uh, laws. So uh, give us a call. You're welcome to join this conversation with us. Um, Another strategy that anti-abortion forces are using is to... um, it's a legal strategy, and they're filing lawsuits under something called the Comstock Act, which is an 1873 law that prohibits mailing obscene materials. And they want to use the Comstock law to target 
the receipt or the mailing of pills, abortion medication pills by mail. Apparently, the anti-abortion movement read the Comstock, Comstock Act to say that it's illegal to mail abortion pills anywhere, full stop, for any purpose. And so that would be tantamount to saying that abortion pills themselves are entirely illegal because all abortion pills that any patient in the United States takes have been in the mail in some way or another. And that's because abortion clinics in the United States are not manufacturing their own pills. Uh, they're purchasing them and they're coming from somewhere else to the, even the clinics, the, the legal clinics, um, get them through the mail or through common carriers like FedEx, which is considered a mailer under the law. So tele, even telehealth providers have to get pills to their clients through the mail. Um, the Comstock Act is a federal law, and I assume the danger of prosecution under federal law like this is not immediate because we have the Biden administration um, which is pro-choice, uh, but that could change. Uh, you know, in the next election, we could lose our federal uh, pro-choice administration, our, de our Democratic administration, to a Republican like DeSantis, for example. Oh. So, you know, how 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 are your organizations uh, responding to this? I mean, are we preparing for the twenty twenty four election and the possibility that we could get? Uh, federal administration that is no longer hospitable to reproductive health access? Definitely. I mean, we are, well, there's great anxiety about what the future might hold. And that is why getting the word out about self-managed abortion is so important. Um, helping people know how to access drugs, these drugs outside of the traditional American healthcare setting. Thousands and thousands of Americans are, are accessing these drugs through um, online sources, international medical practices and international pharmacies. And I'm not saying there's not risk involved with that um, because you never know what someone's gonna find out about you and turn in and what some aggressive um, anti-abortion extremist local prosecutor will do with that. There is risk and of course that risk is higher among people among populations that are historically over-policed, like, like African-American communities, immigrant communities, et cetera. But still, again, thousands and thousands of people are doing it and successfully getting abortion pills through the mail. And we need to spread the word about how and that's And having done. safe abortions. Let's and know. having safe abortions. That's yeah. right. Yeah. All right. So, um, Amy, I want to direct this to you because you are based out of St. Pete. But the, recently, the St. Pete City Council uh, laid out their budget priorities. I think it was last week. And uh, the, the St. Pete uh, Council member, Richie Floyd, who's actually a self-identified democratic socialist, uh, reiterated his desire to see funds allocated from the St. Pete City budget to the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. Uh, so last month, Richie Floyd made a motion in the Health, Energy, Resilience, and Sustainability Committee um, requesting that the St. Pete City Council craft a reproductive rights resolution and provide funding for actual funding for abortion access. Now, both motions received some support from fellow council members Gina Driscoll and Brandy Gabbard, um, 
who wanted they wanted more information, understandably. But um, in this week's uh, Health, Energy, Resilience, and Sustainability Committee meeting, the city administrator Rob Gertis said that his team is ready to meet with the committee on this issue. So my question is: Do you think this measure really has a shot? Oh, I do. Um, we have amazing champions on city council and uh, reproductive rights champions. In fact, you'll recall that they passed a reproductive re- rights resolution back in 2020. And I see this potential um, funding for Tampa Bay Abortion Fund, as well as the resolution that would um, strongly urge the administration to decriminalize um um, abortion and seek to deprioritize any investigation of someone based on a pregnancy outcome in, in say, police with police investigations and so forth. I see this as a natural step. These are natural steps that a reproductive rights friendly city like St. Pete should take. And I do believe that we will see action. They're going to be, it's, um, I'm sure it will be agended on the March HERS committee, the, men- the committee you mentioned. It will be agended there and then we'll go to full council and reproductive rights from all over Pinellas County are really working to, you know, make sure that the that the council members have the information they need to be enthusiastic about the resolution and the appropriation to TBAF. So what do you think, listeners? Should the city of St. Pete use tax dollars to support the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund? Because that's what it is. It's tax dollars. It's uh, health care. It's health care. Well, we use tax dollars to support other health care measures. I don't, I don't know about St. Pete, but I know that in Hillsborough County, for example, uh, it has its own health care plan for people who can't afford insurance. Um, so I'd like to hear from you listeners uh, about your thoughts about whether the city of St. Pete should use tax dollars to support the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund uh, for abortion health care. Um, and we welcome, you know, your response to this. So give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org or you can text us at 813-433-0885. And we'd love to hear from you on this particular topic. Um You know, elected officials across the state still are very wary of provoking the DeSantis administration with the type of ordinances that you mentioned, Amy, uh, like the one in St. Pete. Um, Resolutions are a statement of principles, but they are really kind of unenforceable. Um, Ordinances, on the other hand, have the force of law. And we've had some tepid resolutions in this region, in this area, but we've had no local ordinances yet that provide concrete support for abortion rights or for the types of um, restrictions on prosecution, for example, that you mentioned might show up in a resolution, especially after DeSantis suspended Andrew Warren, who was a progressive Hillsborough County prosecutor, elected prosecutor, last year after he voiced his support for abortion rights and for not prosecuting people who sought abortion health care. The Warren suspension seems to have, you know, really cowed or chilled not so much other elected officials, but administrations, um, the legal departments, for example, um, from taking any stand that may be adverse to DeSantis. So this is a perfect example 
of what the scholar of tyranny, Timothy Snyder, calls anticipatory obedience to fascism, (laughs) to authority. Uh, With abortion, a lot of people, if they're not sure what is okay or not okay, what is or is not legal, they may make the decision to not come close to crossing the line. People may not get an abortion if they're not sure if it's legal and they could be prosecuted. Doctors may not counsel patients that abortion is available to them if they're worried about being prosecuted, and they may be scared away from exercising a right that they do actually have. Um, Amy, you talked about the resolution that's pending in St. Pete, and back in August, Tampa passed its own resolution at the instigation of Councilwoman Lynn Hertock, who's running for re-election now in March, Um, although Tampa's resolution was really a watered-down version of what Councilwoman Hertock wanted, and it didn't come with any financial commitments like the St. Pete the St. Pete uh, proposal by Richie Floyd uh, does. Um, in fact, it was so watered down that Lynn Hertock herself voted against it. Um, but it did pass on a five to two vote in the end in its watered down form. And the main difference um, being that Hertock wanted the local decriminalization of people and providers pursuing reproductive rights, regardless of what state or federal law might say, which I think is in the the St. Pete uh, resolution, isn't it? Um, I think the St. Pete resolution is even more watered down than the Tampa one, to be honest really? with you. Yeah. Aside, the appropriation for Tampa Bay Abortion Fund is a separate, um, it's a separate agenda item, but I think the resolution is pretty much the same as Tampa's, although a little, it's, it's even more like, this is suggestion to the administration, Well, um, I have an email here from Kelly who says that many other cities around the U.S. have funded their local abortion funds. This would be a great opportunity for St. Pete to support local residents and essential health care. So, you know, there does seem to be some support in Pinellas for uh, Richie Floyd's resolution for financing, um, some financing to the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund uh, by with taxpayer funds um what you know one thing that um that i notice is because because i'm a former lawyer i can't help but think about it in in legal terms but um you know these resolutions that want to to protect from prosecution uh people who are providing abortion services say regardless of what state or federal law might might provide um the city attorney's office in Tampa said that that wouldn't fly. I kind of have to agree with them. Um, the resolution would be totally symbolic. It would be unenforceable. Um, but there's a value in symbolism, too, and it's always better to have it when it comes with money, like uh, the provision in that's pending in, in the city of St. Pete. Um, obviously, uh, that, would, that would certainly be more forceful, uh, especially if you can't enforce a a resolution. So um, you think we can expect St. Pete to cough up money to support the abortion fund? I think we'll see a a majority vote in favor in city council. I do. Hmm. That's interesting. And does St. Pete have the same kind of political structure like Tampa with a strong mayor who could veto that Um, item or... 
I think this, um, I'm not sure exactly how appropriations work um, with on St. Pete City Council. My understanding was that this, that City Council could pass it and it would be, it would be complete, but I'm, I'm a little nervous that I'm wrong about that. Hmm. Okay. I don't have enough information You're about liberal Saint mayor Pete. anyway down in St. Pete. I mean, and, and he's uh, was endorsed by Ruth's List and he's a, a reproductive rights champion. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's very interesting. So if you have a position on that issue about whether the city of St. Pete should fund the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund with tax dollars, give us a call at 813-239-9663. We'd love to hear your voices on the radio and your opinions as well. Um, Or if you're shy about that, you can email me at dj at wmnf.org or you can text us at 813-433-0885. I'm sorry, I misspoke just a moment ago. He was not Ruthless endorsed because Ruthless only endorses female candidates. I'm sorry about that. All right, and we have an email from Bob in Melbourne who says if men were the ones having children, there'd be vending machines for abortion medication, which I think is is pretty much accurate. Love it. Yeah, you can get erectile dysfunction pills through online pharmacies. Yes, you can get erectile dysfunction pills through online pharmacies. Yes, you can. Uh, without restriction, without legal restriction, and paid for <laughs> by your health insurance. Mm. And paid for by your health insurance, apparently. Um, so you're listening to WMNF's Midpoint. I'm Shelley Rebeck, and my guests today are Jay from Red State Access, which is um, a, a an organization that provides information about medication abortion in states where abortion and reproductive health um, medications are restricted, and Amy Weintraub, who's with the Reproductive Rights Project of Progress Florida. You can join us at 813-239-9663 and give us a call and join this conversation. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org or you can text us at 813 433 So the Tampa mayor, Jane Castor, publicly said that the Tampa Police Department would not pursue people seeking abortions. Um, she said this in the media, that arrests are 100% not going to happen, close quote. So do you think DeSantis is going to remove Mayor Castor now, just like he suspended Andrew Warren for pledging not to prosecute people seeking abortions? I don't, I, I don't know. I think he does a lot for publicity, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see that happening. Um, but um, but certainly there's an argument to be made that it's not very much different mm-hmm. um, to have the mayor of Tampa, who obviously was the former police chief, saying that prosecutions are 100% not going to happen for people seeking uh, abortion health care. Um, so what are our next steps? What can we look forward to in the struggle to protect uh, reproductive health care? Amy? Well, Jay, somebody tell me, where are we going? <laughs> we in Florida. I mean, the like we said earlier in the hour, the situation with the legislature is is really, really tough. They have super majorities in both houses. They can decide whatever they want to pass, and they're going to have the votes to do it. And um, pa- 
Kathleen Pasadomo, the Senate president, I mean, that's where our hope lies, which is a terrible place to lay your hope because she is anti-abortion, although she's a pragmatist and she said that you know, she could, she would entertain, you know, a re- restrictive law that's a few weeks earlier. Yeah, I think uh, she said she, she twelve weeks. She, I think she said she supports a twelve-week and uh, ban. And I mean, a twelve-week ban is devastating, y'all, to the thousands and thousands of Floridians who need abortion care after twelve weeks. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling, but um, certainly that's less draconian than an all-out ban, which basically the six-week ban that that DeSantis talks about would be. So anyway, we have to brace ourselves for these and we have to be ready to mobilize to Tallahassee um, when when any of these bills are introduced and do our best to not go down without a fight. Yeah, uh, and register voters and get people out to vote. We do not have enough Democrats getting out to vote and to help change the laws here in Florida. And in my thinking, that's exactly what we need to do. We, people need to be pissed off and they need to go down to their polling stations informed and vote in a way that's effective to change the law. Yeah. And, and talk about talk about voting with your friends. Talk about why voting is is so critical to maintain things like reproductive rights. Um, having those over the fence backyard conversations with neighbors is transformational and and we need to be more intentional as as progressives to get out and talk and destigmatize yes. talking about abortion destigmatize talking about so other social justice justice issues it's normal health care it's normal life so let's talk about it and try to do anything we can to motivate our friends and family to vote sure normalize talking about abortion if you've had one tell your friends yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell your family, don't be ashamed, don't be shy, because you're helping somebody else later on down the line who might be in the same situation and who might be embarrassed and, and too afraid to speak to somebody to get the informed care they need. Now, um, let's talk about informed care. These uh, abortion medication pills that we've been talking about, um, Mifepristone, for example, um, my understanding is that those are um, at least FDA approved for pregnancies up to 10 weeks. Is that right? Mm-hmm. But that there's um, research and evidence that suggests that they can be safely used beyond 10 weeks. Uh, do either of your organizations provide information about that? We do. We tell people how the medications are used in other countries. So if you look at places like the UK and Sweden, where I said 90% of abortions are are medication abortions, they do it longer term. Uh, In the UK, up to 24 weeks, and I think they're even looking at beyond that. Uh, Mm. I know that in Canada, there are no restrictions on abortions. I'm not sure how late they're using the the pill for that. One of the other things that we like to tell people is uh, when you're using... If somebody chooses to have a medication abortion, the pills should be taken in their mouth, not inserted in their vagina, because if they're inserted in their vagina and they uh, have to go see a healthcare provider 
for some reason, um, they can be seen. They can be found. So taking them orally is, is a that much a safer thing? way. Like, is that a thing that people Listen, have used? it's not used? A something that I would do, but you know. <laughs> no, but I <laughs> mean, do people do that? There. Sure. It's um, some doctors prescribe um, is it vaginal, prescribe? like mm-hmm. a vaginal suppository. Yeah, using it that way. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, Take but don't orally. do that though, especially in states where it's restricted because right. it can be found, and and you don't want to put yourself in any kind of legal jeopardy. I guess that's your point about it, Jay, right? That's right. As well as, you know, if you're looking for information online, you want to be using a VPN. You want to use browsers like DuckDuckGo. So try to make your information, your online digital footprint, hidden. What about libraries? Can you go to the library and use their computers? They're not restricting information from red state access or other online abortion information sources, are they? I would say just be careful of your login. I mean, Mm. I don't know if that's related to your own name, but Mm. in this day and age here in America now, Mm. sadly, you have to hide that information. Mm. Interesting. Well, yeah, but most people don't have VPNs in America. They're Uh, not expensive. No. I mean, you can easily get one, but most people don't don't have them. They're just not common as they are in other places where people are trying to get, you know, I don't know, Netflix in a foreign country, for example. My son lives abroad and and they use VPNs there. Everybody has one because they're trying to avoid the restrictions on on entertainment content. But here, people don't seem to use VPNs as much. No, I think one of the browsers comes with it for free. I mean, I would double check, but I think think maybe Chrome or... Uh, one of the web browsers has a button where you can just turn it on, turn one on on your own browser. I'm not sure if it's free or not. Huh. But there and is little, sorry, there is little as about $2 a month. Yeah, basically what it is, is it bounces your uh, your internet around to different um, sources so you can't really... Right. Uh, so it looks pe- like you're not from Florida, you're coming from somewhere else right. in America or somewhere else in the world. Yeah, somewhere else in the world. Well, so that I guess that's if important information for anybody operating in progressive spaces these days in America and particularly in Florida. You know, get yourself a VPN. Don't endanger yourself. <laughs> um, so, all right. Uh, let me see. I have some emails here. Um, all right. So Stacy wants to know, how can activists mobilize if a restrictive ban is proposed and gains traction? Amy? Well, um, watch your favorite reproductive rights advocate advocacy groups for direction. Sign up for the Floridians for Reproductive Freedom newsletter, which you can do at floridareprofreedom.org. That's floridareprofreedom.org. And, and action alerts will be sent when, um, when, they're, when mobilizing is happening. Usually on big days of action, People can, they're often, Planned Parenthood often will charter buses. I don't know if they're planning to this session from major metropolitan areas, including Tampa Bay. So watch for transportation um, options that might be available to you. But um, getting on a newsletter of Planned Parenthood or FRF, the coalition I mentioned, would be really good steps to take. All right. Let me see. I finally have a phone call here from James in Palm Harbor. James, you're on the air. Good day, ladies. Earlier, I heard you mention about over-the-counter medications. Uh, I'm not a doctor, 
but no, these the are not over the counter. These are prescribed medications we're talking about. Well, I'm going to tell you about an over the counter. Okay. So back in the seventies, I was in college. My girlfriend got pregnant. I called my dad. He worked in Tampa with some Cuban ladies. They told him to get bromoquinine. We took it. Within a week, she passed it. And the thing is, bromoquinine, eventually the FDA found out it causes miscarriages and they took it off the market. But I wouldn't say that there aren't other versions of that or the availability of acquiring that. And that would not be maybe registered necessarily as to what the lady's concerned about being tracked. All right, James, thanks for your call. And we're not suggesting that anybody look for over-the-counter medications. Safe and effective products that we know work. I mean, uh, may- yeah. maybe that does, maybe it doesn't. It's yeah, sad, we don't know. We don't know. James's girlfriend may have had a natural miscarriage. We don't know. And he probably doesn't know. And she probably doesn't know. But we are certainly not recommending that anybody, you know, take over-the-counter medications for purposes of terminating a but pregnancy. But what's so sad is that we're in this situation where we're, where we're listening to yes. advice like that from other people, and we should not be in that situation. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, so uh, Lily wants us to know that DuckDuckGo, which is a browser, and ProtonMail are easy and Red State Access does provide details on how to protect yourself digitally and how to maintain your digital yeah, privacy. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're looking for um, information, you may want to use a browser like DuckDuckGo or ProtonMail for communications. Um, okay. Uh, and then we have um, an email here. I'm not sure who it's from. But uh, public libraries protect your privacy and computer use would not be disclosed. Fantastic. According to somebody, I don't know whether that's um, viable information <laughs> from somebody with actual uh, source, uh, one of the, reliable one of, sources or what. But. Sorry, one of the issues um, with people having abortions is that it's expensive. It's, it's expensive to have an in-clinic abortion and medication abortions are much cheaper and it's, it's more accessible. So, you know, with people who are financially limited, who might not even be able to afford $3, $2 on a VPN it's helpful to know things like I can go into to a the library. library and get that for free. Yes, it is. It is. And I remember when they passed the Patriot Act and li- they were saying that libraries had to disclose information about their patrons, uh, you know, um, usage of the library. And that, and, and I don't believe, I think that was fought back, uh, that particular part. But I'm again, I'm not positive about that. Um, but in any event, you have been listening to WMNF's Midpoint. I'm Shelley Reback. My guests today were Jay from Red State Access, abortion information um, organization on the World Wide Web, and Amy Weintraub with the Reproductive Rights Project of Progress Florida. Um, I want to thank them both for being here with us today to bring us up to date on abortion rights and abortion medication availability after Dobbs. We'll be watching the Florida legislature closely on their 
probable efforts to further restrict reproductive rights in Florida in the coming legislative session. And you can be sure we'll be talking about it on midpoint uh, (laughs) as it happens. If you joined us late in the show, please feel free to go back and listen on demand to any of our shows from the midpoint archives at wmnf.org slash midpoint or on the WMNF app or find our podcast at WMNF Midpoint wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank also my WMNF volunteers, Jessica Green, my soundboard op, and Barbara Fling who answers the phones for us. And as always, I thank you, the WMNF listeners, for your interest and support of Midpoint. If you enjoyed the show, please consider dropping us a tip in the tip jar and direct your donation to MPW Midpoint Wednesday. Now, please stay tuned for Talking Animals with Duncan Strauss. We are WMNF Tampa. 